We are live. What a weekend. What an interesting weekend of racing. Yeah, lots of racing. Uh, Formula One and the old doubleheader IndyCar, which we're kind of getting used to. Right. The doubleheader in IndyCar, and also it felt like we had three separate races for F1. Oh, my gosh. We didn't have... We didn't have one red flag, but two red flags this weekend. So um, a lot of action, a lot to break down this week in the open wheel debrief. And of course, your host and my co-host are going to get right into it. Um, Starting with F1, very, very interesting. The new track at Mugello, you had all of the happenings with Ferrari and their brand new, or their 1,000th race with their brand new paint scheme, Mm. but... Charles Leclerc pulling out a surprise P5 in, in qualifying uh, actually made the Ferraris look kind of strong. Yeah, dude, as shit as they've been all year, I never get, I'm never um, taken back when I see a Ferrari like in top three. It's definitely a sight we're used to. So, right. Uh, it, what was it? One of the restarts, he had a good start and was sitting there third. And I was like, hey, you might squeak this one out, which, you know, it just never really surprises me. But, yeah, you're right. He made them look good, for sure, because they had a exactly. bad qualifying. Well, it's so interesting to me, just again, week after week, we're seeing, I, I don't want to call it a talent difference, because it's not like Sebastian Vettel isn't talented, but maybe it's an understanding of the car, because again, Charles Leclerc got the most out of that Ferrari car, no matter how big of a crap box it was, out of qualifying, even in the first stint of the race, like he was, he was there making the car work. Yeah, certainly. And I will say, I, I, I don't know how you feel about the new livery. I think it's kind of fresh. <laughs> uh, it's a little, little, little too old school for me. Maybe but not. Maybe not that scarlet red. Scarlet red. It's a good. It's a good one-time thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to him. It was very creative, especially for the Falcons race. Um, very cool. Uh, for those who didn't see, they had the 2004 Ferrari car. Uh, pre-race driven around by Mick Schumacher, Michael Schumacher's son. Um, it's kind of a special moment. Very, very cool to see everybody ooing and aahing. And the difference in the V10 engine versus today's engine is really different. But it was like very, uh, what's the correct word? Just beautiful. It was a beautiful engine yeah. sound to see it and to hear it go around like the Magella track was just awesome. Yeah, totally awesome. Mix on the mix on the rise too. I'm hoping to see him in Formula 1 ranks here soon. I mean, the name recognition definitely is going to get him pretty far. Yeah, he's killing in, it too. In life, Driving but, well. Um yeah, winning at Monza and in some of the uh feeder league races was was definitely a help, but um we can kind of actually get into Race day, you had the Mercedes just looking strong per usual, and uh, they locked out the front row. Red Bull locking out the second row, um, then kind of a jumble of every other car going into the back of the pack. And you had uh, what was that? Was Valtteri Botas? Did he jump ahead of Lewis in that into turn one? Am I am I yep. thinking incorrectly? No, he did. Yeah, he had a decent start. But you also had uh, before Max uh, lost all of his power, just really jumping in that strip slam and he looked yes. for the first 0.2 miles of the race looked pretty strong you're like all right like if max gets into p2 here beats lewis i feel like he could hunt down uh botas and especially for the end result of the race right we're so used to seeing the huge difference between albon and verstappen mm-hmm. and it's not like albon was that far behind uh the mercedes towards the end of the race he even kind of hunted for a p2 at the end uh so if it weren't for the mechanical failure in the beginning of the race, I would. I feel like it was a missed opportunity for Max to possibly snatch a win from the Mercedes. Yeah, and what I mean, what the hell happened? Um, also, too, I agree with you. Mercedes' car didn't really look great. I mean, it's a new track. Maybe they don't really know what they're doing. But really, even last time in Italy or last week in Italy as well, they did not seem to have the fastest car um, all the week for the whole weekend, really. But, yeah, dude, Max has a good, you know, first, like, four shifts and then just starts going backwards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. You call it a mechanical. I didn't know it was it was uh, a mechanical problem. 
Um, yeah, so it, it turned out to be a mechanical issue. They they figured out before race, and he came on the radio um, after his wreck, and he stated, you know, this is what you get when you don't have effing power. Yeah. Um, and you can sense the frustration. This is this is not the first time there's been kind of a mechanical issue. Uh, if you're Max Verstappen, your future with Red Bull, I. I'm just seeing all of these errors that is that are caused by the team. Um, I might shop my services elsewhere if I were him. Just in the future, um, maybe not for next season, but but leading into the new era of cars and F1, I might be just sh- shopping around, testing the waters, getting your feet wet, kind of like what Lewis Hamilton is doing. Maybe, but, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think he's he's got a short attention span, but I don't know if it's that short. Um, yeah. But anyway, so we have the wreck. I think it looked like it was Gasly's fault and rides up onto another front wheel. But six or co- six or so cars seem to get involved in that. And that just started this domino effect of mayhem in the first Craziness. 10 laps of the race. Um, and and it, it, it got me excited just to see some something different it, it i knew we wouldn't get quite the grand prix we got the week before but it was shaping up to be something real interesting yeah uh very interesting we're nine laps into the race and we haven't had a single like action-packed yeah lap yet yeah um very interesting we commented last week about how we're kind of it caught it, it took us back that the fact that when there's a red flag, they have a standing restart. Mm-hmm. Um, so we only got that once, but we got that twice. Uh, so the first first standing restart went into went into play after. Excuse me. Let's let's bring it back before we were even starting. Uh, Valtteri Bottas that led to this red flag um, came about very very slow to get started, and it seemed like George Russell. Uh, looking back at some of the replay cameras, George Russell was getting a little too antsy. Uh, ready to get going in that Williams um, and just a compression from everything going on uh, led to the pile up for uh, Carlos Sainz, K-Mag, uh, Nicholas Latifi, a huge, huge wreck. Um, really, really scary in fact, but one of the main comments I kind of had on that is just an unfor- unfortunate circumstance, but uh, Roman Grosjean coming on the radio right away talking about like what are they doing in the front like what are they trying to kill us and i i'm sitting in the back of my mind and i'm thinking about the double standard that roman has for everybody else because he's probably in, in my opinion one of the dirtier drivers in the entire field like some of the passes that uh danny rick has even had to make on him earlier this season throwing a big old elbows out that could be perceived dangerous i just thought that was a little bit of a double standard but Nonetheless, uh, very scary incident. Everyone came away clean. Yeah, scary incident. I mean, big impact for sure. So that that was following the the yellow, the six laps or so of yellow from the lap one incident. And I mean, I don't know. What do you, I mean? Is it is it anyone's fault? Do you think? Is it? Mm, so. I don't think you can put that on Valtteri because he is within his right to wait until the start finish line to go ahead and get green. And he was just weaving. He didn't ever like jolt forward and kind of reset his pace. He was consistent the entire time. I would almost lay the blame on um, some of those midfield cars that were just ready to go and jump the gun a little bit that, and if you're if you're way in the back of the field, like you know, you're sitting way down in that car, it's not like you're going to be able to see people jolting ahead and jolting forward. So um, I kind of put it on more of those midfield cars than I would. I don't think you can put the blame on Valtteri because he was doing everything in his right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I I agree. I I mean, I agree that he has the right to do all that, but I think I'm I'm gonna definitely put the blame on him. Um, it's a restart. I mean, let's be honest, like normally the restarts are being dictated by Hamilton, uh, especially this year. So I think maybe that's what people are used to. But also, I just think it's an unwritten rule that you 
are crossing the finish near full speed. And I understand the strategy Botas had in mind of essentially cutting that straight in half. So there's no slip, greater slipstream effect if he were to be mm -hmm. coming out of the last corner full speed. I just think that's so incredibly soft on his end and so timid and and shows his his fear for his own teammate to to pass him uh like that and and to to be that passive and go that slow all the way to the start finish which has just like never been done this entire year nearly um i i don't know i just think it's soft on his end and i i think i can totally blame him for that because the yeah. the back of the field doesn't see it, and I the midfield is going to see what's going on at the front. They're going to see Valtteri weaving and out. As you go towards the back of the field, the gaps are larger. Um, from a, from a strategic end, they they make the gaps larger, so you can get that slipstream effect. And so you're coming from the back of the field. You're coming out of that last corner, expecting the field to be going full speed, and they're not. <laughs> Yeah, see here. If you're a Valtteri Bottas, you, you understand the fact that you're down in the points against Lewis Hamilton. This is almost a must-win race for you. Um, you're doing everything you can to beat, and you could tell on the radio he was doing everything he could to gain some sort of advantage. And the slipstream was especially powerful down that front stretch at, at Magello. For sure, right? and that, and we even saw it on on the first red star reflag, uh, red flag restart. Uh, Lewis Hamilton just slipped directly down into Valtteri's uh, slipstream yeah. and then passed him on the outside and turned one. So I think Valtteri was just trying to be smart, and I feel like Lewis probably would have done the same thing. So um, I, I'm i not going to put blame on him. I just think it was kind of a crappy, crappy incident, but um, made for a very lengthy cleanup. Yeah, incredibly and, lengthy. Uh, the red flag restart was just so interesting whenever lewis hamilton looks like something wrong is about to happen for example he's sitting there and his brakes are on fire yeah. like not on fire they're smoking pretty heavy and i'm sitting there like oh my gosh like it's over like lewis hamilton like he's not gonna have anything no way and he's just so freaking fast and smart, yeah. right? Right behind Valtteri, into the slipstream, later on the brakes, on the outside, into the lead, race over. Not even a question. Yeah, and, and that's what sucks is when I saw him take the lead on the restart, lap 10 or so, it was just like, it's just deja vu. It's just like, there he goes. Yeah. Good night. I know. It's I'm Lewis, Val, Lewis just has to have some of the best luck I've ever seen. I don't know. I mean, whether it was his transition to Mercedes at the right time, along with just all the breaks that he's gotten over the years, yeah, it a just lot of breaks. it comes to it comes to a point where you expect it. You expect the luck, you expect the greatness, and uh, it was. It just seemed like the race was over as soon as Lewis passed him on the outside. But um, the battle in the midfield was was just starting. Um, some unexpected contenders for the race. It seemed like uh, the only remaining Red Bull, Alex Albon, definitely had a couple slow restarts, yeah. uh, putting him back in the field to seventh. You had Lando Norris, who looked pretty racy, um, starting to come up the field with the um, with that bright orange car, and along with Stroll being pretty consistent, uh, looking like he was trying to take on Charles Leclerc, looking... Um, like he was trying to take on Danny Rick. And then, of course, I just mentioned Danny Ricardo. Dude, the Renaults looked very, very strong this weekend. Yeah, super strong. I mean, arguably, Racing Point was in the better position to get the um, the podium spot. Ferrari or Leclerc really didn't last terribly long up there. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, to my surprise, the Renault looked extremely strong. And I think Ricardo, too, just driving – uh, very well, similar to what we saw two Grand Prix ago, where he had the car, and it, it, you can just tell he's kind of getting the hang of it. He's kind of just he's feeling the car very well, and um, yeah, just making passes look real easy. So yeah, Ricardo had a had a great drive, um, and mm. um, that that seventy percent of the race, I think he drove extremely well um albon kind of patiently patiently waiting 
to make his move um, ultimately, I think, with, with the better car, with no one can I dispute agree. for sure. Here's the question, though, as the race is kind of coming to a conclusion, uh, very interesting to kind of see both Albon, Stroll, and Ricardo really kind of duke it out towards the end. Um, and then, unfortunately, uh, Stroll just losing his rear tire and flying straight into the wall. Kind of a sc- similar scary crash. Um, yeah. Who were you Who were you kind of pulling for towards the end of the race? Did you want to see Albon get his first podium? Were you excited to see... Uh, Danny Rick up there again, possible tattoo for yeah. uh, Sarah, the the Renault uh, racing uh, manager. Yeah, no, I'm I'm Danny Rick guy for sure. I I want I was pulling for him um, for not only a podium but even on the on the second restart after Stroll's wreck, and he had mm-hmm. that great start and fl- and flew into P two. Then I got really excited. Um, <laughs> I never really thought he would win the thing, but being able to hold a P2 would have been spectacular. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I mean, I think he drove extremely well. And I was rooting for him near the end, definitely, um, over Albon. No offense to Albon, but... No, not at all. I, I, I would be lying to you if I wasn't rooting for Danny Rick as well. I just thought it was extremely smart. One, that second restart got a great drive ah. passing Valtteri, but extremely smart knowing, all right, like I, I can't compete with the Mercedes. Why would I ever try to battle for position in this third spot and lose time to someone who I'm really racing in Albon. Um, but unfortunately it just seemed like Albon really saved it for the end. Definitely had his, had his driving dialed in. Um, very scary though on that on that front straightaway to see him go around the outside definitely flashback to a couple oh, loose hamilton passes on the sure. outside that you're that you're a little nervous about you would think he would learn but he is always going on the outside which just gives it just presents this pinch point for the inside just driver to just anxiety through yeah the so but, nonetheless hey he tried it again third time's a charm i guess he's he's a racer baby but one of the interesting, most interesting first podiums I think I've seen where, yes, Albon was really, really excited to get it. And you saw Christian Horner come on the radio and congratulate him and whatnot. But it's almost like, yeah, like this podium is long overdue. It's almost expected. Yeah. It, it, it just didn't seem like this huge joyous occasion like we're used to seeing when people get their first F1 podiums. Completely. And even, even podiums that we're not used to, um, like last um, weekend, uh, you know, someone like Stroll, who, who's been on the podium before, but that joy is definitely not uh, mimicked at Red Bull. Uh, like you said, I think it's very much expected. And, and right. I mean, I will, I mean, Albon is overdue for sure. Like he had some bad luck without a doubt and he was due. So, um, yeah, I agree. I think it's a bummer that he wasn't, I don't really think was given the credit, um, that he deserved to be honest. No, but anyway, it's very interesting to see Albon kind of climb his way to the top. Also something I noticed, uh, very shocked to see some fans in the actual crowd, like when Lewis Hamilton got out of the car, being able to wave to some genuine fans that yeah. were on the track was so refreshing. I was yeah. just like, "All right, like we're we're getting there. We're not there, but we're getting we're there. getting there. We're getting there." The old Italians, yeah. So uh, it was interesting. It was a crazy race, but I wouldn't call it a highly entertaining race. If that makes sense. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, something certainly to talk about. I would take that over a lot of the races we've had this year, to be honest. But, um, yeah, no, I get what you mean. It, it definitely wasn't as entertaining as, as uh, last week. I mean, when you get the yeah. one-two Mercedes, it's hard to really write <laughs> home about it. But Right. Um, and even though we got a Mercedes one-two, a new podium, but it was still like a Red Bull, you're like, yeah, yeah it's nice. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. But... So not a not a Monza, but definitely a race nonetheless. Uh, get a couple weeks off, and then I believe it's in Russia. Yep. Uh, in two weekends, correct? Yep, you got it. Yeah. So. So what do you th- what do you think of the circuit in uh, Tuscany? So, I thought it was a very very cool track. Like the way 
the entire racetrack kind of fit into the hillsides at in Tuscany yeah. and um but the main straightaway was like when you got DRS it was almost a guarantee that you're passing the DRS yeah. was way too overpowered made made passes way too easy uh and it definitely that was the only place that people were making passes so you know you didn't get to see a whole lot of uh other interesting facts, but the one thing I did appreciate was drivers were able to pass on the outside like that into the first corner. You were able to take multiple lines, whether that was you're kind of later on later on the brakes going outside, yeah. um, or you're going inside getting on the power earlier. Um, so I I liked Imola. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing more races there, but. I think you would just have to reduce somewhat of the DRS zone, maybe make it a little bit smaller, uh, try and reduce the effect of DRS, try and make it more of a challenge, but it wasn't definitely not one of the worst tracks. Yeah, I agree. I thought, it, I thought it was cool. I mean, I, the back straight is like very kind of windy and, Honestly, just it, it gave me an, a, a, a greater appreciation for these drivers and just like the endurance of this sport and just how brutal that driving can be because they're just flat mm -hmm. out in a lot of corners um, and just your body being pushed and all those forces is, is probably just like insane. But also, too, yeah. I would be interested to see this race on a normal calendar if we had it during the summertime in Italy um because i think i think brake cooling was a bit of a problem um probably to to the design of the course and kind of taking a lot of corners at very high speeds um resulted in some pretty hot breaks so if it was like mm -hmm. a summertime in italy um maybe uh could have made some pretty interesting um mechanical problems but i agree i i, I kind of liked it i thought it was a cool cool track for sure yeah and really cool when they kind of did the onboard cameras and they put the how many how much g-forces they were going right. on the dash yeah and to see some of them break into like four and a half g's yeah, you're like oh my god fighter pilots out here i know so that was very impressive very cool to see the car sweep around some of those corners um i wouldn't mind seeing it again i really wouldn't yeah i'm um, definitely made for an interesting qualifying and uh a very crazy race to say mugello the the name the name of the race we should say too was the Formula One Pirelli Grand Premio della Toscana Ferrari One Thousand Twenty Twenty just rolls off the tongue. That makes me want pasta just immediately. Easy name, <laughs> not not Tuscan GP. No, Ferrari got a lot of Some face of time this weekend. Who did Ferrari? Just a lot of love. Yeah. Oh yeah, a lot As of love. Well, I mean, if you. Home, thousand home thousand races pretty impressive but yeah. some of those opening cutscenes too just really made me want to go to tuscany man it looked beautiful out there hey i can attest i went there the last summer it's gorgeous no so a uh, dream dream spot to go to but uh but yeah overall um i'd probably give it like you know, i'll give it a b minus a b minus rating very very entertaining definitely was it was up looking at the television but uh not not gonna be t like too remembered in in future years okay yeah, that's tough man i think on <laughs> i think we're working with a bit of a um what do they call them in school a, a weighted grading scale or a, i think there's a bit of a curve to the 2020 season so I'm, yeah, i think this fair. is definitely on the higher end i'm gonna i'm gonna give her an a minus for sure. All right. I liked right. it. That's I fair. liked it. That's fair. All right. Let's let's go ahead and roll into uh, idiot of the week and and driver of the week. Who do you got? Uh, my drive of the day. Um, I'm giving to Albon. I think. Um, like I said, I don't think he got enough credit for the podium. Um, and also too, I just I put myself in his shoes and having your teammate who is normally your your podium lock crash out and lap one all the pressure goes on to you um and he handled it very well and I th he, he drove well he drove patiently um didn't take the risk he didn't even to take and 
yeah, I think just with that pressure and that's, I'm sure just felt like an eternity for him and he, and he got what he did. So yeah. Uh, congrats to Albon. Cheers to him. Cheers. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead. My driver of the day. Um, I'll give it to George Russell out of the Williams. Uh, so close to his first ever F1 points was driving the oh. hell out of that, that Williams car. So close was like, imagine, imagine last year at Monza, you see, all right, Charles Leclerc wins for Ferrari, uh, amazing race. And then you like get knocked out. You're in a coma for a year and you wake up and you see Sebastian Vettel battling with George Russell for like the last point. You would be just awestruck. Like what in the world happened in 365 days? I kind of love it. It would make sense to you. I hope in um, 365 more, I'm consistently seeing George Russell on the podium. A dude's a talented driver. I mean, like, if if I was George Russell, I'm sitting back there. I'm like, okay. Everyone recognizes that Williams is just kind of a crap team right now. Like, not a whole lot I can do. All I, all I really need to accomplish is to continuously outqualify my teammate because that's where. That's the only like comparable stat that he can have sure. with an, another driver. Yeah, um, is just I'm gonna I'm gonna just kick your ass in qualifying day in and day out. As long as he continues to do that, he's gonna get another shot with a better team where oh, he can actually sure. prove. He's talent. undefeated. I mean, he's like thirty and zero on qualifying. He never lost to Robert Kubica. Hasn't lost to Latifi yet. I yeah. don't see him losing in the foreseeable future. No, definitely not. So, I mean, not to mention there were eight cars out. But hey, hey, d- details, details. Yeah, those are minute details. <laughs> um, okay, idiot of the day. Talked about it before, and uh, I'm I'm standing to my take. I just I think Botas really screwed up a lot of people in that race with that restart. I just didn't. I didn't it wasn't wasn't class. Um, All right. I think it's soft. I think it's soft. Very fair. Very fair. Um, I, let's see. My idiot of the day is going to have to go to the Red Bull Mechanics. I think this is like my second time giving out to them. <laughs> or maybe they won. They won. Anyways, they uh, something went wrong in, in the Red Bull, and I think it, they really lost out with Max Verstappen, possible race win, possible chance to get back into a championship hunt, and uh, just, just didn't seem like it was happening for them. So uh, they just... Dude, something's, something's got to click for them at some point this season if they ever want to turn it around. I mean, seems like they got P2 locked down in the Constructors' Championship, but um, there's got to be some expectation moving forward. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem like they're progressing. It feels like they're regressing yeah, in, that's in true. that paddock. Very true. Very true. Um, so it seems kind of soft, but I'll go with the Red Bull mechanics. Yeah, it's not bad. All right, before we move on to IndyCar, we do want to talk some some transfer news as silly season is always going on oh yes oh, we forgot about this so i'll put this graphic up on the screen in the video but essentially it's the it's the seats for the 2021 season as they are now so the big news was vettel making the move to uh racing point or aston martin next year mm. um which i love it man i'm all about that all right I'll I'll be honest, I don't because I really like Checo. I mean, he is a beloved driver, very very like competitive in me, in my opinion, very competitive racer. Uh, especially he's just competed in the mid- midfield for so long. He's so experienced. I feel like he's just gonna get most out of that racing point car. Uh, but I I understand the move, right? If you're can't really pass up on a no. four-time world championship. Dude, I think Checo's going to Red Bull, man. Interesting. I think Is that the rumor going around? No, it's my rumor. Uh, <laughs> I think Albon's getting the boot. And, um, yeah, I think I think Perez is getting the spot at Red Bull. That would be awesome. I I really like Checo, man. I think yeah, he's he a good is. Driver, man. I think he's a world-class driver. He really hasn't kind of found his way into one of those top-tier teams yet um, that that can actually give a spot. I feel like Checo could actually give Max Verstappen a little bit of uh, some sort of competitive push. I think so. But, uh, yeah, 
I would love that. Also talks about him going to Haas, which would make a lot of sense for a Mexican to go to some sort of American team. Yeah. Um, same continent, but yeah, I think it'd be interesting. It, is anybody signed for Haas? Do they have anybody locked in on, on that graphic? No. So really, so Haas, Alfa Romeo, and Afatori all are up for grabs, really. Um, and then, yeah, you have, I think, essentially Lance's seat on Aston Martin is more than likely going to be it. And then yeah. you have a Red Bull spot, and then, um, you know, they're showing a Mercedes spot, but who are we kidding? Um, so, yeah, but my, I mean, my focus is definitely on that Red Bull spot. I think that's where a move will be made. And then, really, the others, I don't really care. You don't think Pierre Gasly is going to get that, that spot back up in Red Bull, especially after his win in Monza? Yeah, I don't know, man. And there was also talks. Horner was saying that, they are, you know, the whole the whole budget rules next year. Um, he said that they're essentially creating two equal teams and that it's not really going to be this development and Red Bull racing team anymore. So he almost made it sound like they're going to have essentially the same car. Um, and if that's the case, I don't think Gasly would get the call up. I don't I don't agree with that at all because at that point you're cannibalizing championship points off one another. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, yes and no, but also I think just for brand recognition, like why why keep one team as a development team? I mean, this is Formula 1. It's the highest, the highest tier of the sport. Um, and there's this like development, you know, veteran team going on here. Yeah, fair. So I we'll see. Okay. I, I would be all for Perez going to Red Bull. I'd be all for it. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's interesting that, that that seat's going to be up for grab. It, I mean, if it's not Perez, you're gonna, you could either keep Albon, which I don't think they would do, just considering the talent differential between him and Verstappen. Yeah. Uh, and you else? think you I mean, give Gasly another chance. I don't know. Yeah, and you're not going to take Kvyat or Kvyat. But, nope. Just, I'm, I'm not paid to probably make out. big decision. I think Raikkonen's yeah. out. I think he's retiring. I think um, so that opens up. I guess so. Alonso's in. So then oh, I totally forgot about Alonso coming back. I I still don't see an opportunity for an F2 driver to come up, which sucks. Um, maybe I, I Mick Schumacher's gonna get up there real quick. Yeah, put him in. That. Put him in. Put him in that. Uh, 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 Alfa Romeo seat. That's a Ferrari too, so I think that's right. That's what you want. Yeah, that could work. Hey, right, we got we'll moves. See. Moves to be made. Still, pl- plenty of silly season to to happen. Yeah, so that's exciting. So yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got for Formula One. You got a little uh, F1 fantasy update for us? Oh, brother, man, I I don't, but I sh- I should have kept an eye on that i'm t- i'm I'll, I'll be i'll be honest for you, someone who's really into be F1, honest I'm you check ter- it every day yeah no not even i'm terrible at checking it and I, it's the same way if i get into fantasy football too i don't check it every week i'd, I'd just rather sit there and watch and enjoy the races but yeah i kind of feel that i definitely made some moves on my team okay here we go so i got i can see my score 1260 so that sounds okay Let's see where we're at on the. Uh... Okay, I'm still in second, and you have 1364. So if I'm not mistaken, I think you extended your lead. Let's go, baby. 104 point championship lead right now. Perez as your turbo was a nice move. Yeah, that definitely helped. He's been a consistent turbo driver for me. But gosh, dang it! I screwed up on Hamilton, man, making him like my mega driver last week. Oh, that's what I did. Yeah, I know. I, I missed out on a ton of points there. Yeah, dude. But I don't know. I don't know. It's all right. Peter still like behind in third, and Carl really struggling down in fourth. <laughs> Moving on to the doubleheader. Indy cars, you can't tell. Tom and I are wearing our shirts. Hey, the New Jerseys. They're awfully fresh. Shout out, Packy, uh, man. You're a legend. Shirts shout out sick. to my mother. Oh, she was oh, the one oh. that found them in uh, 
and she runs like our church giveaway so we 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 made a nice donation to our church to purchase these off of uh, our home parish so we got matching ones let's go Look awesome but uh moving into into indycar race weekend uh mid ohio i'll i'll be honest i i don't know if i'm starting to get used to like the f1 coverage of their racing but the way indycar is covered is completely different and just is starting to get very, very lackluster. Yeah, dude, opinion. I agree. And I, I kind of thought, I had this thought in my head. I was like, man, I was like, what are we, I, I mean, I love watching racing, obviously, but I'm just like, what are we fighting for here? It's just like IndyCar is a very, it's a different culture in a sense of like, you have the 500, which is just like kind of the granddaddy of them all. But it's just like it's in the middle of the year and you race around that and there's a season and there's, you know, a season very similar to what F1 is. But you have races all throughout the year that just don't have the prestige of what winning a Grand Prix would be any time in Formula One. Yeah. Um, so it's just uh, it's hard. It's always hard for me every year after the 500 to just be like, what are we racing here for you boys? Obviously, there's right. the championship, um, you know, the, the, the series championship. Um, so that's just kind of the only way I can stay motivated to watch, but it's even been harder this year with Dixon kind of been dominant in the, in the, in majority of the season. Um, but yeah, the coverage is very different and there's just not these races within the race that you see in formula one. No, Um, there's not even the races between teammates that you see in F1. There's not a team competition. There's not like. I mean, you get your Chevy versus Honda engine power, but yep. uh, I mean, Honda's been dominating this season um, on top of they don't cover the midfield battles that much. No. I mean, it's it's really they're geared toward whoever's whoever's uh, leading the race, and then we're just going to cover that for the, for the rest of the time. They obviously focus in towards the end of the season on some of the championship contenders, but it just doesn't feel anywhere near the – master class that f1 puts on each and every single week yeah which is it's it's weird i don't know why these um series the indycar series races just don't carry the clout that a a, you know any grand prix race would carry um Mm -hmm. and there's just not really the hunger for drivers to like really push for um also podium spots don't matter it's it's all it's kind of all or nothing you know right um and I mean, I mean, it's it's just hard. it's hard to win the races. I mean, IndyCar is different in the sense of like we get we get quite a few different winners throughout the year, mm-hmm. which is nice compared to yeah. F one. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I was having a lot of those thoughts in my head too, kind of comparing the two and what's different. And there's some uh, there's some good things about IndyCar. I mean, like pit stops are very different in F one. Mm-hmm. They're usually just like very mundane, and you know nothing really happens. We're in IndyCar, like a lot can go wrong, and um, they usually do. So that's cool. I just thought I just thought it was perfectly summed up on a tweet by uh, former IndyCar driver J.R. Hildebrand. Um, I think he, in a tweet he basically stated, like, "If you want to watch the best of the best, you you watch F1. If you want to watch the most commercialized, tailored to the audience racing, you go to NASCAR." And if you just want to watch racing and people race, you go to IndyCar. Okay. That's that's almost kind of how it felt. Like, I didn't feel any sort of emotion towards mid-Ohio this weekend. It wasn't yeah. like I was very excited. I was like, oh, okay, like another IndyCar race. Here we go. And, it, it, and his statement made even more sense where there's the anxiety and pressure of like, okay, who's going to get the final podium spot at Mugello? Where it's almost like I had nothing to watch four this weekend with with indycar for both races yeah i mean i was i was cheering on on my boy santino but that like that was about it that's about it yeah i feel you i mean i i get it though the, the racing is always very pure and if you you know truly appreciate like racing as racing is like there even mid ohio like i thought it was a really cool track um mm-hmm. honestly some similarities to to the to the circuit and formula one just like i mean you can get some good you get some just 
good racing moves, you know. Mm-hmm. But other than that split second of like cool, you're just like, uh, okay, you know. Yeah. What are we watching? I'm here? sinking into the couch. My yeah. eyes are getting heavy. Yeah. So but nonetheless, uh, we can get we can get into the actual racing. I just kind of had to complain there for a little bit. It I didn't feel, feel like I was watching for something, but. Uh, very interesting to see in race one, Scott Dixon, uh, spin out or excuse me, that was race two. Yeah. Um, spin out really made the championship fight a little bit more interesting. Uh, somehow clawed his way back to a P 10 spot. Um, championship points definitely have tightened up, which makes it a little bit interesting. We don't have racing until Indianapolis. Am I correct? Or St. Pete? Uh, no, they go back to India, yeah. but that's not until October, I think. So this, and yeah. this middle Ohio race kind of just came up on us like a week up or a week before. So, right. Um, but yeah, points are tightening up a little bit. Yeah. So we get a, we get a little bit of break for IndyCar, uh, which is definitely very weird for a mid season, uh, summer break, if you want to call it a really a fall break. Yeah. Uh, I think it will be very interesting to see how racing in indianapolis in october is going to go i mean it could potentially be like 40 degrees and we're out there running around the track i know you can get anything which that would be entertaining that would be very very entertaining yeah um and i believe i believe they're allowing race fans into the track which will be awesome cool um I definitely will be trying to purchase tickets and getting up there for the yeah, race. for sure. Um, maybe give you a couple live action for for our audience members out there. But uh, let's see here. We can kind of just jump right into um, the races itself. You had Colton Herta in the second race. The Really, the main thing I want to talk about was that first lap. I don't know if you had happened to see the incident. So you had Colton Herta qualified P1. My boy Santino qualified P2. They're heading down that, that front stretch. They're making it into the first turn. Santino really is hanging on there. He's pretty neck and neck. And Colton Herna really just gets his elbows out, sends Santino okay, into the grass. Okay, you're going to say that? Yes, oh he was there, gosh. dude. He okay, was hanging he was neck there. and neck. He was there. He was there. He was driving that his was, race car. That was pretty... I mean, like, that was a pretty hard squeeze and yes i have my biases but i mean like okay did, well carry on Santi- carry on what did you your, want what else happened what what happened what after did, that packy he went off into the grass because he had nowhere else to go okay. unless you wanted him to stop okay and or so you went out into the, the grass brakes. stopping okay causing some sort of pilot behind it would have been a dangerous move yeah that would have been very dangerous compared to what happened <laughs> I'm trying to keep a straight face. So Ferrucci goes into the grass. And he happens to tap not only his uh, rival Rosenquist, but also his teammate, Alex Pillow, sending them into the barriers. Yeah, just a little love tap. Just nothing, <laughs> no harm, no foul. But Look, Looked both ways before crossing the street. Just followed I, all his rules. I just thought it was a little bit... A little bit too big of a shove. There wasn't a whole lot of respect between Herda no, and no. Ferrucci. No, I'm not even letting you go there. Not <laughs> not even close. And regardless, I mean, Ferrucci, just, this is the way he drives. He's so aggressive in that sense. And he 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 didn't want to give up fighting for that, for that spot until the last second. And that resulted in him going into the grass, which is fine. But the way he comes out on the track, like an absolute idiot just just i was besides myself i was like this is professional race cars here boys i mean where you want to where you want him to go he needs to come onto the track in a more cautious and considerate way you can't just <laughs> nosedive it into the <laughs> into the the field i mean unbelievable it looked it just looked so rookie no, he was. He didn't want to give up that spot at oh all. Oh my gosh! He's he's a diehard racer. <laughs> diehard racer. Spoiler hey, alert! Idiot of the week for me was Ferrucci. No, yeah, I get it. 
<laughs> I get it. <laughs> Playing go-karts out there. I was cheering pretty hard for him. Uh, yeah, very he had, disappointing. had a great qualifying. Yeah. But uh, our boy Connor Daly uh, sitting pretty strong in the, the first race, making a pass on Ryan Hunter Ray, some of the big teams, making up to P3. Yeah. Uh, had a great obviously, start. Connor Daly, I think, is having a pretty sick, successful season for his first time back, getting a pole position in, uh, where was that? Uh, Early on, maybe Iowa. Yeah, yeah, Iowa, that's right. Getting a pole position in Iowa, uh, competing consistently there, um, really having a couple good qualifying runs with Ed Carpenter. I, I don't yeah. see why he shouldn't be able to get a full-time ride next, next year. I think he's definitely – Shown that he deserves some sort of spot there for sure. Um, but he's Alexander Rossi, he's he, yes, he does. Real quick, I mean, real quick, he's got speed, but I will say all of his performances come out of qualifying and he just struggles where he'll get some good face time and races up there, but he just somehow finds a way to fall back. And the results, I don't think, are like spectacular for him, but. He, I mean, he's definitely he's he's made a good name for himself. So I'll say that we can move on without a doubt. Yeah, the brand recognition, his ability. I don't know where sure. that was. His COVID season, being able to stream, definitely helped him out. True. Some of his buddies True. being as popular as they are. Uh, he's taking advantage. Can't yeah. complain about that. Honor daily. But uh, Alexander Rossi had himself a good weekend. What was that P two and P three? Correct. Uh, definitely some sort of turnaround that he needed. Yep. Yep, um, finally a little luck. He was on skates at the end of uh, race one. Oh my gosh, that was, that was entertaining to watch. Yeah, him and, uh, Just the, him and Ray Hall, I think, duking it out. Yeah, nothing like Townsend Bell and Paul Tracy going, oh, as you're going down the back <laughs> straight away and like almost <laughs> losing it. <laughs> it's Rossi! Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he had a good weekend though. Yeah, so we'll go with Rossi had a great weekend as well. Um, tough for Scott Dixon. I felt like Joseph Newgarden just didn't capitalize on the fact, like Scott Dixon is not going to spin out um, in a in a race very often. No. I just feel like he couldn't feel like he couldn't capitalize and get really towards the front like he you'd want to in a weekend like this. Yeah, totally. So it was race uh, second race on Sunday. Dixon spins out extremely um, uncharacteristic of him. But yeah, dude, if you're in your garden, you got to be foaming at the mouth, um, at the mouth. Uh, and yeah, I mean, he was only he only had two spots on him at the end of the day. So Dixon was a, a raging bull coming back, getting those getting those spots back, which was entertaining in itself because we almost never get to see that aggressive yeah, Scott Dixon. For sure, right? He's never one to take risks. He's not one to lay it out on the line. But some of the passes he made, like on Graham Rahal. That, it was just really to scoop by him. He still had a pit stop left, but I mean, he was locking right. up like almost wrists that you were like, "Whoa, what?" Like, like there must be a fire under his ass or something like that. He but, was hungry. Yeah, but it almost feels like Scott Dixon is like a, the Mercedes of IndyCar, where he never makes mistakes. But if if he leaves some cookie crumbles on the table, you better you better take advantage. Yeah, for sure. Um, so. Field was woke when he uh, spun out. <laughs> Um, yeah, dude, and then too, just Colton Herta, um, he's a stud, man. I think he's going to be a name that we're going to see for a long time and, uh, has really had a good year for himself as well. I think he's sitting fourth in the series. Um, don't like him. Don't like him. <laughs> Hot take. I like him, dude. I like him a lot. He looks like a punk, man. He looks like, I don't care what he looks like. like. <laughs> You think he looks like a punk and Ferrucci doesn't? His little just... his little ramen noodle on top of his head. <laughs> Ferrucci man. Um, I'd go with I'd go with he looks more punk. He look he looks like the uh the surfer guys out in Cali that I definitely would be afraid to talk to. Um so he doesn't look approachable to me, so that's why I don't think I like him. Maybe you're <laughs> soft. Maybe you're just a little soft. Um, but yeah, I mean, not, not terribly too much to talk about here. I, I, I liked, I think Ohio, the Ohio track was cool. Um, but, um, the other races, I think were a little dull. My, um, my drive of the, of the weekend, uh, will go to Ray Hall though. I think he drove incredibly consistent and well, and I think he, to that point, he's just had a really good year. 
Um, He's had a good season. Yeah, just a good, consistent season with the 500 performance as well was awesome um but yeah just he's always up there duking it out and just driving real well yeah i agree it was a good driver today i think i'll go with uh alexander rossi especially how he drove towards the end of the second race um definitely driving on skates had a couple big saves yeah uh consistent p2 p3 definitely the luck that he needed uh so i'm gonna go with alexander rossi as as my driver today I hope he can get a win, you know, going Indy. I, I imagine they're doing the the road course, like as they always do, like same direction and everything. Just yeah. Um, I don't know if he can quite win there. Dixon, that's just Dixon's got that place on lock. Yeah. Um, but Hey, maybe St. Pete's, he can get one out. It's true. Um, all right. So my idiot of the week, I think, think we'll have to go with uh i'll go with dalton kellett oh i thought you were okay <laughs> i would never do that to my man go ahead um or you know what no dalton's he's he's a rookie he's got some stuff to do i'll go with uh simon pagino um definitely a very poor performance this weekend spun out what was that lap one on yeah. on the second race by the road looking like a huge looking like a huge rookie um so just do better, Simon Pageant. You're an idiot. Okay. Again, your bias shows. Uh, yeah, we already talked about my idiot of the week, so I don't need to get you gassed up again. I just think Colton Hurd was a little too aggressive on that yeah, on his okay. racing line. All right, buddy. <laughs> what do they want? Do you need bumpers on every on each car for him too? No. You just need to share the road a little bit. I mean, it's the first lap. We'll settle into the race before we get all aggressive. Unbelievable. All right, folks. I think that's going to wrap up today's episode of the Open Wheel Debrief. Uh, as always, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate all you guys watching. I'm um, gonna take gonna take the next week off with no race races next weekend. So uh, we'll be hearing us for another two weeks. But until then, as, as always, like. Subscribe, share with your friends. Uh, can't wait to hear from you again. Love you all. Love you all. Love you. You're the night sky trying to make me see your stars. The dark gets lonely. Now I see violet. I can feel silence. And the dark's all that I see when your stars have burnt out. Your heart makes no sound I'll find validity